I hope everybody's doing well today. We lost our power last night for six or seven hours, and uh, it came on at 10 o'clock. So fortuitous. They must have known we were going to have a Zoom Sunday service today. So I'm going to talk about something I talked about yesterday when I went to the uh, Leisure World in Seal Beach. And uh, this was part of my training as a Buddhist police chaplain in Garden Grove. And we went to the Orange County Coroner's Office to look at dead people. Now, I had always been curious about that. You know, what's it like to be in a coroner's office and what's it like to be around a bunch of dead people and everybody dies and why do they have to go to the coroner's office and, and all those kind of things. And, and so that was all explained in great detail there. So it was like maybe 12 to 15 of the chaplains and we all met in Orange County at the coroner's office, and this was a temporary facility. They were either remodeling or rebuilding the uh, the permanent building. And uh, so in the back, they had these uh, tractor trailers that were filled with bodies with a giant lock on the door because people are always curious. This is the This is the last great secret that our culture doesn't want us to find out about. And I'll explain a little further as I get into the talk. So we all signed in, and the Baptist chaplain brought uh, muffins for uh, so afterwards, so we could talk and have something to eat. And and then we went into the back room, uh, and the back room has this giant window, and with a big curtain pulled across it, so you can't see in. And then one of the coroner's assistants pulled back the curtain and we got to look at our first dead person. Now, it was odd to say the least because uh, when you die and you do an autopsy, they drain you of, of all your fluids. So you look like a, def a deflated doll. Uh, it's, uh, it doesn't look real at all, which thankfully is probably uh, a good part of it. So we had this little doll-like woman uh, lying on this aluminum table. And, and I happened to notice that she had just polished her fingernails in a, in a bright color. And I thought to myself, I wonder how she died. And so I asked the coroner, how did, how did this person die? And he said, uh, drug overdose. So it was interesting to me that she had polished fingernails getting ready to go out to the party and have a good time and she ended up dying and now we have a bunch of police chaplains looking at her body and i thought you know that's just like how life works because none of us know when that final day will appear um, and and her her chest cavity was open and there was this bright yellow just the brightest yellow, uh, and and I just looked at it. I couldn't figure out what the heck that was. So I asked the coroner again. I said, "What is all that yellow stuff in, in inside her body?" And he said, "That's fat and cholesterol." And I went, "Whoa! I'm going to have to eat a little bit better. I think uh, <laughs> maybe a few less donuts and and coffee cake." 
but it was it's it was an amazing contrast in the bright yellow to the subdued colors of all the other organs and and it was interesting to see it for real because they were all interconnected and interdependent none of the organs existed independently and i thought you know that's just like buddhist philosophy when they when they tell us that everything is connected and and interconnected and nothing can exist all by itself and inside our body that is a perfect example of what that is okay so then we go to our next person and the next person is this old guy now the old guy was 60 um so i'm older than the old guy uh, so maybe he was sort of a medium old guy and they had found him uh in his easy chair in his apartment next to a bottle of bourbon and he was suffering from cirrhosis of the liver and uh finally it had taken his life and we had a chance to see his liver and it was giant it's like a giant football thing i'm going man man so all the stuff we stick in our bodies has a consequence whether it be vitamins or chocolate cake or whatever it might be there are always consequences and the body is an amazing vehicle that allows us to assimilate a lot of different kinds of food and beverage and continue our day and have energy and clarity as i drink my coffee so we we just so i'm I'm thinking about all of this and and from a buddhist perspective this was like advanced class of life and death and then they take us to this sort of meeting room with a bunch of tables and chairs and a and a, and a blackboard on the wall and and the coroner is going to explain to us uh what they do and so the first thing they do is they get a call and someone died now if you don't die in a hospital if you don't die under the care of a doctor you have to get an autopsy because the state of California wants to know why you died. So everybody that uh, was had an accident uh, has to go to the coroner's office. That's how they end up there. So they send out the, the coroner's vehicle and then they bring them back. And as I'm listening to all of this, uh, someone wants to get my attention and they tap my shoulder and they look around and there's no one there and i go man no i didn't sign up for this movie i you know and and then i then it just like really dawned on me in this moment that you know what there is some kind of karmic energy or spiritual energy or soul energy there's some kind of thing that's released when our body dies because the body, that was its home. And now I can't live there any longer. And so I imagine it being confused and thinking to itself, you know what? I gotta find another home. So I'm gonna follow my body back to the coroner's office. And I'm gonna wait to see if there's something else available that I could occupy. Well, the problem with that is all the living people have their own energy and all the dead people uh has a sign out that says not for rent and so they just sort of hang around and maybe that that touch that i imagined or actually happened was part of this spiritual energy that you find in the coroner's office so it's not a place 
of the dead, though the bodies are that way, but there's a whole nother living energy that exists there. So as the coroner was explaining to us about the, the, what they do, he, he also confided in us that he was a born again Christian. And he said that since I've started working here, it has renewed my faith in my religion. And I thought, wow, that is so cool that to, to be able to have a job that increases your sensitivity and your intuition about life and, 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 and live at a spiritual level, not just a secular level, but to have a combination of both. So we, we kept talking and listening and, and sharing stories and things of that sort. And then it was time to leave. And so we all got into our cars and it was right across from South Coast Plaza which is just a trippy scenario that on one side of the freeway are a bunch of dead people and the other side of the freeway are a bunch of shoppers looking for the best bargain they can find. But the thing that really stimulated me was that, that this life of ours, we just simply take for granted that, you know, none of us know, none of us um, have probably even thought about afterlife as being uh, an option during life. And so I thought to myself as a Buddhist, can we practice dying? Is there a practice we could do that would prepare us for that ultimate transition into the next lifetime or the next heaven realm or whatever one wants to think? And it came to me, I said, yeah, of course, of course. The practice is meditation. Because what we do is we sit down for 20 minutes and we let go of everything for 20 minutes. And death is simply letting go of everything forever. So these little 20 minute practice sessions could get us ready for letting go of everything forever. You know, and, and there's only one thing we get to take. You know, you can't take your cell phone, you can't take your golf clubs, you can't take your computer. But what comes with you is your karmic energy. So have you been a skillful and wholesome person? Have you followed the five precepts? Have you tried not to kill or steal or have sexual misconduct or not to lie? Have you tried not consuming intoxicants like the old guy with the big liver who ended up dead in his easy chair? Have you tried those things? And what that does is that changes your karmic energy from negative to positive, which allows you to have a better rebirth. Now, speaking about rebirth, uh, the pure land comes to mind because it's not really emphasized so much in America, as far as I can tell. You know, we're, we're sort of like meditators and we sit and meditate and, and suffer with bad knees and a sore back. But it's like, yeah, you know, that, that afterlife transition, would the pure land be the best option? And so someone once said that Amitabha Buddha and his pure land to achieve that residency, you only need to say Amitabha Buddha three times with faith, vow, and devotion. 
Now, it might take a whole lifetime to get to the place of faith, vow, and devotion. And then it said that Amitabha personally will come down and escort you up to his heaven realm. And in his heaven realm, everything speaks the Dharma. The trees speak the Dharma, the rabbits speak the Dharma, the cats speak the Dharma, the babbling brook speaks the Dharma, and you're guaranteed to achieve Nirvana. You're guaranteed to achieve Nirvana. All the other realms of existence in Buddhism, whether they be heaven, human, or hell realms, are always temporary. Sometimes a really long temporary, but always temporary. So here we are, and we've decided to go to the Pure Land, and now we're learning the Dharma, and we achieve Nirvana. And what is so cool about Nirvana is that you never have to be reborn again. You no longer have karma, which is the vehicle to be reborn, and you will never ever suffer again. And you'll be there forever because it has no beginning and no end. And if there's no beginning, it can't have an end. Everything in our life on earth had a beginning, had a first cause. Buddhism says, well, hold on, don't go too fast. There is no first cause, according to Buddhism. There is simply a recycling, a remanifesting of everything. It just keeps existing and passing away, existing and passing away. But there was no first cause. So we don't even have to go there. Aren't we lucky not to have to debate? Was it God? Was it the Big Bang Theory? Was it something else we haven't discovered yet? What was the first cause? And then what existed before the first cause? Was it just nothing? And did nothing start from nothing, or did nothing start from something? Now that's something. So here we, <laughs> so here we are, and we're reflecting on afterlife. Now, that makes every day we exist even better. Because now we don't take this, this life for granted any longer. That we know as we get older, we are more likely to die. But that's not necessarily the case because a lot of young and middle-aged people die as well. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Right now we got 8 billion people roaming this earth of ours. And we're expecting to have 9 billion before you know it. And they all have to die. And they all have to go somewhere. And if you want to be more conscious about how death affects the earth, I would recommend human composting. Because in 2027, Governor Newsom have says it will be legal in California to be composted and turned into dirt. And then you can take that dirt and you can take it home and put it in your backyard. Well, you couldn't, but maybe somebody could. And then you could feed a tree well, you could take the dirt to Angeles National Forest, and you could feed the forest. What a great way to go. And not having all those little tombstones and markers just cluttering up the place, because we're going to have 8 billion deaths pretty soon. Just a thought, 2027. So, 
here we go. Now we're looking at life in a little different way. We're seeing that I can be in charge of my rebirth by what I do when I'm alive. And I need to be more skillful and I need to have good karma because the karma is what goes to the next lifetime. And now we go into a deep state of reflection about life and death. And we start to understand that if we have just one thought about this whole thing, about this whole life and death thing, is the thought should be gratitude. And the gratitude should come from understanding that it was a miracle that we found our way to earth, that we were born, that we had the wonderful opportunity to live on this planet, and then we had to say goodbye. But in saying goodbye, we could have the mind state of gratitude to be grateful for that opportunity.